there's no doubt in my mind that confidence when shooting the basketball is the most important thing. It's it's the reason why we end up making, I think, what would be so many, quote, bad shots uh, is because guys are thinking that they just have to shoot it. It's a 12 second shot clock. We got to shoot it or coach Dave is not going to be happy. And uh, you know, when they're not thinking about whether it's going in or not. And I think the more you actually get people to not think about whether it's going in, and that's not saying that they don't care because of course they care, but the more you right. can unlock their mind to get them to think about something other than whether it's going in or, or not, uh, the more they're actually going to make the shot anyways. Welcome to the Jamoti podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders so let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. Today we are joined by the head men's basketball coach at Grinnell College, David Arsenault Jr. Coach Arsenault played and assisted for his father, David Arsenault Sr., who created the Grinnell system. In his eight years as a head coach, Coach Arsenault has 99 wins and has continued on the legacy of fast basketball. Grinnell set an NCAA record in 2022 when they attempted 111 three-point field goals in one game without taking even one two-point field goal. Grinnell College has led the country in scoring and three-point shooting in 20 different seasons. He coached Jack Taylor, who scored 138 points in a single game. Coach Arsenault was the head coach for two seasons for the NBA G League team, the Reno Bighorns. This season, Grinnell is 4-1 and averaging 124 points per game. Before we hear from Coach, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamoti Podcast. Man, Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Uh, this is such a, an honor for me, a pleasure, because I, I don't know if you you realize this or not. One, I've, I've watched you coach when you were in the G League because it was the time you're up in Frisco and I got to meet your dad. And, and, and obviously, I had your dad on. When I started this thing two years ago, I made a list of coaches that like, I, I mean, these are, you know, bucket lists, got to try to have them on. And I, and I was able to get, have your dad on real early on. And, and we talked about you a little bit, but love the system, love the school. And, and this, this is just a thrill for me. Well, uh, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, you know, know a lot about your podcast. Uh, just really excited to, to, to be a part of it and to talk with you, talk hoops, talk life, talk everything. That's right. Well, tell me a little bit about what um, your life is like right now, this time of year. Yeah, my life right now. Okay, so I I am um, I'm a faculty member at Grinnell College, which is which is uh, uh, I think pretty unique to Division three basketball at this point in time. Probably just just a handful uh, um, um, that are still faculty members. So I I do have some teaching responsibilities throughout the year, and part of my responsibilities have also been that I I double as the head women's golf coach. Uh, and so we have one more tournament on Sunday, though. This is actually the last year that I'm going to be doing, doing the women's golf. It's been great for me, yeah. but I also just think in 2023, uh, the attention that basketball, the guys on the team, the student athlete experience, like, like that, that it's a lot, you know? And so I'm, I'm excited to, I'll, I'll miss the women's golf, but I'm excited to, to really be able to, to focus in on, on the guys on our team. Man, I'm impressed that you've been doing that, that double duty at that level where you're at, because you're right. I mean. The, the attention to detail to your players, the year-round recruiting uh, grind, if you want to call it, whatever, uh, that does take up a lot of time. So the fact that you've been able to do that, man, that's impressive. 
Yeah, I mean, it's provided me like great balance, and obviously there are a ton of perks with 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 being on the faculty side of things. But um, you know, even with like legislative changes within our league over the last few years, we've increased the number of games that we could play up to the NCA maximum and off-campus recruiting. And now there's new legislation that's going to give us some days to be able to practice out of our traditional season. And so. Oh. Um, you know, with that, it's, it's just kind of like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to make that move. So we hired a new full-time golf coach, which, uh, yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled about, and I think it's, it's good for our our golf team as well to have somebody that, you know, isn't tied up with basketball for a large percentage of the academic year too. Now, are you a pretty good golfer yourself? Do you like playing? I do love to play golf. I am not that good per se. Uh, I mean, I can play, but I'm 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 not like a scratch golfer or anything like that. But I I do love to play when I get the chance. Coach, if you will show show your shirt real quick. The the three is better than three is. I love that. Uh, so I, I one thing I stole from borrowed from you guys a long time ago was a shirt that said put up a and then it had the Grinnell symbol number put up a Grinnell number, meaning like the amount of threes that you shoot, that you make, whatever. I loved it. And and so I took that idea to faith and I, I put up, a, I still have one, put up a faith number with our lion head right there. But I can't tell you how annoying it got to have to explain what the shirt means because they would, people come up, they say, put up a number. Like, what do, you, what do you mean put up a number? No, 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 put up a faith number, but like in basketball shooting, because that's what we try to do also is shoot a, a bunch of threes and obviously make some of them, but it's more about the attempts. And, but I loved that idea. Uh, but man, it was probably the most frustrating shirt I've ever worn. <laughs> no, it's uh it's uh you know, I, I think that uh, our, our guys wear these, we have them on the shooting shirts. Um, It's just kind of, it kind of just becomes like a mentality, you know, yeah. like in, and really a staple of the program, like that we want to, you know, and the reality ends up being that about half of our shot at field goal attempts on a, on a given game are from the three point line, which means half of them are twos still. Um, but it, it, it's kind of just creating a, a mentality of, of, of what we want to do and, and how we want to approach the game and like play this opportunistic brand of basketball that we want to put up a number, you know, and we want to see if the other team can match that number and, and, uh, uh, or we want to take more threes and 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 then the other team and and they're gonna be nights where they don't go in, but they're gonna be they're gonna be some magical nights as well. Part of this talk I'm excited about is I mean, I know a lot about your system. If anybody's watched or heard the podcast at all over the years, I, I talk about it quite a bit. I mean, I've got all the books, Road to 138, the ones that your dad actually sent me about you know, the the system and like the little thin ones. And so I've gone through all that and and enjoyed the talk with him, but I'm excited to talk with you kind of about your brand of the style and, and it, how the, how it has changed and how you're running the program because so many people know your dad and have watched his clinics and everything. But I don't know. I think that to me, it's really fun to see you played in it. You've been there for like, golly, that, that school has just been a part of you probably. I mean, for as long as you can remember. So anyway, uh, just thrilled to, to get to have you on. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I certainly think like my time as a player, uh, you know, playing for my old man, a lot of, a lot of people of course wanted to ask how, well, how was that? I mean, it was great except for about once a month, like, like maybe most father son combinations once a month, we probably just had to be separated, you know, and, and if it was during the season, he might just, he might just send the entire team home. Cause he just knew we, we both knew the direction that it was headed was not going to be productive. But other than that, 
uh, you know, my, my dad and I are, are, are honestly best friends. Like he was the best man at my wedding. Uh, we live right now, four houses apart. My, my oh, mom that's cool. Four houses down from, uh, my wife and I. And so, uh, you know, they're babysitting my three kids on a, on a very, very frequent weekly basis. And, um, you know, so getting to play in it, getting to learn from him, um, was, was incredible. And I, I, I try not to, to, to give him too much credit because I, I do not think anybody in their right mind, if you were taking 50 or 63 point shot attempts per game back in the early nineties could have projected the direction that basketball was going. You know, and and but he was ahead of the curve, whether yeah. it was by luck or by plan, uh, you know, yeah. probably by luck. But uh he was he he was he was ahead of the curve. And and now as we get like into 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 the year 2023, where if you're not taking a ton of threes, now you're the crazy one. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that it presents like a unique set of challenges for 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 us because we're not quite as different offensively. Uh, relative to our the, our opponents as what we were back in the '90s, you know, or even 10 years ago, and 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 those challenges like other teams now, since they're taking so many threes themselves, that they're also defending other teams that are taking threes. They have they they just schematically they players on the court can do different things now. You know, more big guys can shoot threes, yeah, and more big guys can handle the ball a little bit, and so our pressure defense where might have to change a little bit. So. Uh, certainly there are just some changes in the way that basketball has evolved. I'm excited about the challenge and trying to stay ahead of the curve and trying to push the envelope yeah. and the creativity. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's certainly changing and making things more difficult. Man, that's such a great point. Cause your dad even made that comment. I think about how, uh, for a couple decades, you were really unique and really special. Like when other teams played you, it was something that they'd really never done before, or they rarely did. And so you had that little bit of an advantage, but now you're to your point. If a team, if a coach isn't having high expectations for three point usage, you know, if their if their scheme doesn't lead to that, then man, they're they're kind of behind, right? So, I guess the first question is is like your favorite style of play to teach, and I mean, unless you say it's not the Grinnell style and it's something, then okay, we can go that. But assuming it's that. And if it's not, correct me, to your last point, 2023, what does the system look like now under you knowing the changes in basketball where you've got NBA and college players when they get inside the arc in their space, taking steps back to get back outside to shoot, you know, like where is it now for you? Yeah, so uh, the 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 Grinnell style, the Grinnell system is 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 definitely definitely my favorite brand of basketball to teach. You know, um, but the the thing there are so many different like variations of the Grinnell system. You know, and I and I always like if if somebody we we get a, a number of calls a lot of times from from high school programs that are looking to maximize player participation about you know wanting to go to this style. And you know, one of the first things that I I try to tell them is that like. Like you're going to have to, you, you can take some of the principles that we use, but you're going to have to make it your own, you know, yeah. because I, uh, uh, the, 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 w- whether it's the length of the game or the length of a three point shot or the rules of the game or the opponents or the style of playing your area, like, like to just take 
the 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 Grinnell system as we ran it this last year or whenever and say, hey, that's exactly what we're going to do is is it could be an OK place to start. But there's no doubt you're going to have to make make tweaks to it, you know, and and uh, we're making tweaks here on a on a yearly basis or trying to. It used to be that that teams that we played against. Uh, you know, the 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 opposing coach would tell their guys, you are not taking any three-point shots. We are passing the ball around until we get a layup against this silly press, you know? And yeah. um, now teams are just hoisting threes. And yeah, and now they're like, this is great. This is what we <laughs> want to do all the time. Right. And, and, and so it's left me sitting there thinking like, well, we're at, the pace is going up and down, but it's not, it's not three is greater than two. You know, yeah. it's not really what I'm familiar with. And so how do we have to adjust what we're doing? Um, to 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 either try to stop teams from taking threes or force certain shots. If they if they if uh, I'm kind of resigned to the fact now, if teams really want to try to take threes against us, they're probably going to be able to do it. You know, and and um, or and else so there's there or else there's no there's no organization, no discipline, and you're going to beat teams like that anyway. But you're right, assuming that their coach has a plan and their players are skilled enough to execute that plan. It might be a, a tough night. It, it really could be, you know. And we've played some teams that um, uh, have kind of tried to lead the way in in terms of of taking a lot of threes against us. Uh, it's worked on some nights. It works. It's worked better for us on some nights, just like a lot of things in basketball. But um, you know, in when I say uh, to people that are thinking about going this route, like, hey, you know, the Grinnell system, it, parts of it could be good, but you're going to have to evolve. That's exactly what I went through when I was went to the D league, you know, now G league, like I yeah. went out there and I was like, Hey, the brain of basketball that I know is the Grinnell system. I'm going to start with that, but chances are we're going to have to adapt and adjust. There's a 24 second shot clock. I only have a 10 man rotation or 10 guys on the roster. You know, the game's just called a little bit differently. Um, um, guards are a little bit quicker. Big guys can finish above the rim a little bit more than they could at Grinnell. And so I think there's always like just this constant adjustment process that that is going to go into uh, uh, the Grinnell system while still maintaining some of those core principles, you know, and our core principles that we still have that we've had really for, for forever have been um, five for five substitutions. You know, that we are going to rotate groups of five onto the floor and we are going to try to wear down down the other team. And, um, you know, another principle that we've had has just been that we are just going to play as hard as we possibly can. We are going to sprint the floor as hard as we can in both directions. Uh, we're going to crash the offensive glass. Uh, we are we are going to try to just. Again, wear the other team down, you know, and and. Um, obviously our, our constant full court pressure is still a staple where we're double teaming the basketball, wherever it goes, not letting another team run a set play for the duration of the, of the game, maybe at the end of the game, if we have enough points to win, we, we would kind of pack it in and go the other route, but, um, you know, and then also just playing with the 12 second shot clock, that is mm -hmm. still a staple. We want to create a shot in 12 seconds, variety of ways to be able to do that. But, um, you know, with with those kind of core tenants, there are so many different variations that you can go to get get those four core tenants. And a couple of great nuggets there. One, I think uh, a reminder for any coach that it's, you know, the springtime or, or summer, whatever time of the year, but you're looking at maybe implementing or making a change. There are so many great systems. I happen to love yours. But to your point, like any coach listening, you can take bits and pieces but then make sure that it fits your personnel 
the administration that you have, the families, the system, the league. Because I wonder how many times guys like look at your style and say, I'm just going to do exactly, I'm going to read a book. I'm going to do exactly that. But then they don't take into account that some variations that they need to see, and maybe they're blinded by just trying to stick to a path. I think that's the art of finding a system like yours, but then also making it your own and making it work the best for your players. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, I want my I want my team to play right now like the Denver Nuggets, but I don't I don't have the Joker, you know, and 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 so it's gonna be a little bit. <laughs> There's only be, one of, the, of it's, him. It's, you know, it's it's not quite it's not gonna work the same. If, if, if they got they got the best passing big man of all time, you know, and it I think awesome. that can be true about any style that you're running. That there can be bits and pieces that you want to take, and maybe it fits perfectly, or maybe you even have to start someplace where you say, hey, you know what, I just want to see what it looks like running the, in an exact copycat version of 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 something which i think is a good thing i don't use the term copycat as a bad thing i think it's a great no. thing that we it's how we learn and grow and, yep. and but um you know you know being willing to adjust kind of on the fly is 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 so important in coaching so important in life um you know and just and just uh uh not being so stuck in hey this is how we have to do it but but adapting to to uh to players and adapting to personnel that you might have uh, the second thing I wanted to talk is because I watched, you know, a guru of go is one of my favorite 30 for 30s with Paul Westhead and, and and to watch him take his system and try to go to the NBA, I think with the Nuggets back in the day, you know, they they were averaging like 140 or 50, but they're giving up like 160. It, it didn't really have I mean, obviously, and and. I think your dad said it, it made me really laugh. He was like in his books or even even the podcast. He said, you know, early on it was just we need to do something different. He said, I never thought we could win with it, and, and that, but that started happening. In your in, um, experience with taking it to the G League, how did those guys respond? How did they take the subbing? You know, what at what point did you feel like you had to start making adjustments? Um. You know, they they responded in at, at at various levels of like both comfort and belief. And, um, you know, it was also hard because I didn't have like professional playing experience, certainly not in the NBA. Uh, it was my first time coaching professional basketball. And I was close to the, you know, I had a couple of guys on the team that were older than I was at the time. And so um, getting them to try to buy into that. Uh, uh, was certainly challenging. I, I, I recall, I think it was, it was either a first or second game and, and Hassan Whiteside had like 30 points, 22 boards and eight block shots against us just at the back of the press, just, just catching lobs and just, and just flushing it home. And we lost. And I, I just remember thinking like, what is go, what, what just happened out there, you know? And, and, um, I, I tried to stick with it through most of our most uh, like halfway through the first year. Truth be told, I should have been fired after my first year, probably if you look at the wins and losses. And <laughs> um, I mean, we went 20 and 30 and and we gave up a ton of points. We averaged like 133 or something like that, um, which is awesome. And, and I, what I realized was at the point in time where I was used to seeing the other team get tired, we were actually the ones getting tired. 12 minute quarters, uh, a lot of travel, um, only a 10 man rotation. One guy get one guy steps on an, on a great on a athletes foot and rolls too. An ankle. like they're literally great athletes, you know? Yeah. One guy steps on a foot and rolls an ankle and all of a sudden he's out and you can't even sub five for five anymore, you know? And so, yeah. um, 
uh, I started, I started kind of mixing and matching midway through the first year when they picked up my option. I knew that we were going to have to make some changes again, just to fit. I knew that I still wanted to lead the league in, in pace and points scored, which we did in year two. I just thought that we maybe had to be more selective with our pressing. Uh, we had to be, uh, uh, adjust the rotation a little bit. I had to use timeouts or the media timeouts to my advantage a little bit more just to, again, using the rules of the game to your advantage. Yeah. Is is pressing, and this is one thing I always felt, is pressing worth it if it's only creating the pace that you want? Or is it worth it when it, because obvi- obviously it creates pace, but it's creating live ball turnovers that give you more of an, because I, I didn't mind it when they would come down and just kick it out of bounds or throw it out of bounds. That happened. But then, you know, they're also setting up. I didn't see it create enough live ball turn turnovers i thought okay this is worth the effort that we're having to give on that side yeah um i i would generally agree like like you need to be able to force the 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 turnovers um you know i i think i'm not entirely sure how what percentage of those would need to be live ball turnovers Yeah, yeah um you know there are benefits to just creating the pace i i felt like our um, I guess in a way half court offense in the D league was had, had the highest efficiency and it's, and it's not because we were playing half court offense. It's just, again, based on how they counted it, they counted it like after, after a made basket, I was saying we need to create a transition opportunity after a made basket though, by technicality, I think a transition opportunity actually, I don't know if it can or can't come after a made basket. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, so we're saying like, you think of a transition opportunity and conventional wisdom would be would be saying, well, that's a that's a turnover, right? Or that's a missed shot defensive rebound where you're going and you have a numbers advantage. I like to say, you know what, our offense can be even better if we can create transition opportunities after the other team scores. Hmm. Um, you know, and we can create a numbers advantage after the other team scores, which is not a traditional, I think, transition opportunity. Did you feel like with the 24 second shot clock that you were rarely seeing it? You know, I've been I've thought that early on and even some of these NBA games when I watch it, there's shots that they could take. There's gaps that they could explode, but they're running some actions. And then all of a sudden it's four to six seconds left. Oh, oh crap. Isolate or a quick ball screen in isolation. But they're near the end of the shot clock. How often did you guys even run up against it? N- not frequently at all, you know, and I also felt like a shorter shot clock. Uh, it's just going to lead to more pace anyways. So sometimes if you're using a press to create pace, but you're playing with a 24 shot clock, you might not need to create as much pace. Um, Again, another rule change in NCAA division three, like it used to be, I don't know how many years ago, a 35 second shot clock. Those possessions could feel like an eternity, Um, you know, as they've shortened the shot clock now uh, pace naturally is just going to be increased in games of basketball. So uh, we didn't go. You know, again, we were working with the 12 second shot clock. We'd practice with the 12 second shot clock. That's something we still do at Grinnell to this day is practice with the 12 second shot clock. Just kind of get guys in the idea of what does 12 seconds feel like? How much can be accomplished in 12 seconds? Well, if you're sprinting the floor and you are getting the ball out of the net quick and inbounding it and running, there's a lot of stuff that can happen in 12 seconds, you know, to generate to generate a quality look. So 12 seconds, you're you're running that obvious law for makes. But once the leather touches their fingertips, either off a miss or a steal, that clock is going. And then how often do you have them? Do you let them play past the 12? Or is it literally you guys have to get a shot up or score before that? 
I've, I've played a similar game for 15 seconds early mm-hmm. on, a lot of chaos, low shot selection or poor shot selection, maybe some butter bees, buzzer beater type shots. How do your guys handle that? Yeah, we'll do it different ways. You know, sometimes in practice, it will truly be, hey, if the shot clock goes off at 12 seconds, then then it's going to be a turnover. You know, other times it's it's more of like a guideline, like, hey, here's we need to be looking to generate a, a good look, but we're going to let you play a little bit past it. But but again, you need to be aware that that's just not acceptable pace on a regular basis. Um, yeah. I, I think that the, uh, the the shooting percentage thing is is really, really interesting, like right, like like um, it, it can become it can become a free for all in a way. And if you're saying, hey, we want to take a shot in 12 seconds and the the guys on the team don't understand what their role is or they're all thinking that they need to have that they should be having the same role because everybody gets to shoot it, then the three point percentage is just going to be low, you know. And so I yeah. think the key is like structuring the lanes that people are running or who gets the basketball in their hands or where the first pass is kind of what we're looking for, not necessarily where it's going are going to the guys that you want the ball in their hands <laughs> that you trust the decisions they're going to make. They're going to make shots or they're going to uh, break somebody down off the dribble and be able to create an, an inside out easy shot for somebody else within that 12 second time frame. The Jamoti podcast is powered by sideline interactive sideline interactive is the leading manufacturer for high quality, innovative scoring tables and led video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. That's a great point. I, I, I think that's at the high school level, that's why we start with shot selection. Day one of the fall, we have a scale that we use, and, and everybody will understand. Instead of using terms like good, bad, great, hey, Johnny, that's not your shot. All those things, they're vague, and they don't, they mean different things for different players. And so we start with that. And I, I feel like that helps a lot with even though we're playing fast, we're still shooting shots that we agree with as a team. We've discussed the parameters. So I think that helps a ton. And then I, I was thinking about your what's, this, what's the scale look like, if you don't mind me asking. Oh, no, that's good. I got it from PGC. I directed for them for a few years. And yeah. so start off with uh, in a group. What's a 10? You know, if it's scale one to 10, 10 being the best, what's a 10? And it's amazing, coach. You'll get guys. You'll get five different answers for a 10. It's a dunk. It's a layup. It's an open three. It's a free throw. All those things. And so I just say, raise your hand if you've ever missed a layup before. And they all miss it. No such thing as a 10. Let's take 10s off the table. And so once you establish that, then that means that there's not one shot out there that can't be missed. That's the best. There's no such thing. So then a nine. A nine is a wide open layup. And we want nines, guys. Like we want to hunt for nines. Skip eight real quick. Then we go to sevens. Seven is a wide open jump shot within your range. That within your range is the difficult part. And I would imagine the amount of shooting games that you play, the amount of stuff that you chart, that's where as coaches, I think we come in and we establish, help them to know what a seven is for them. So John, little Timmy's not shooting from 30 feet thing. This is my seven. No, 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 Timmy. You've never established with any of our shooting games that that's a seven for you. So then we go back to the eight. Eight is a contested layup. Uh, we still like eights because you can get fouled. You know, clever finishers can still use uh, their body well and, and finish on eights. And then a six is really where we start to, this is what will lose us games. 
Six is a contested jump shot. And you and I both know the quicker that they get their feet down, the quicker when leather touches their fingertips, they can get in their shooting motion. That line between six and seven starts to blur. But again, that's where the art comes in. And maybe some of your better players, life's not fair. They get to shoot some sixes because you know what? They can make some sixes. Eights become fives when the degree of difficulty is too high. It's not figure skating. So you don't really get more points for extra movement. So we're going to stay away from fives and sixes. And we're going to hunt for sevens, eights, and nines. Fours are fourth grade shots. We don't deal with that. You know, uh, threes are those shots where would you bet a thousand bucks on it? If not, don't take that. Step backs, things like that. So that skill for me, coach, has been uh, uh, it's been the best thing I feel like I've ever borrowed. Um, uh, outside of scheme, outside of uh, of culture, it takes all of the. I mean, what's the most personal personal thing to a player? It's their shot. You know, so you tell a kid, don't take that. I mean, to take the amount of threes that you need, you need your guys believing that they can do amazing things. And so we take the that type of uh, not shot, bad shot, all that. We take it out, and, and it takes the emotion out of it. So sorry for rambling. Uh, that's our shot scale. No, this is great. I was just thinking about it, like, because obviously, like, you know, I spent a lot of time talking about our shot selection as well. And I was just like thinking about it and comparing and contrasting kind of to not necessarily a scale that we use. But when I just talk about what are the types of shots that we want um, and and and, you know, another thought that 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 popped into my head was um, how we've tried to differentiate uh the 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 you know the various three-point shots that you can take right like that you can take a three-point shot off of an inside out pass that you could take a three-point shot off of a lateral pass that you could take a three-point shot off the dribble um you know that it could be contested or it could be more classified as open um that we have some guys on our team that that actually if you if you back them up to like where the nba line was and you left them wide open they would shoot better from that than a contested three at the arc. In other guys, it would be the opposite. They yeah. they they just can't back up that far. Uh, you you could leave. They could be you have nobody around them, and they would be much better served shooting contested threes right at the line. You know, and and um, there are just so many there are just so many things that go into. Not all three point shots are created equal. I guess is the, is one thing that that I that I think about a lot. No doubt, but you nailed it though, coach. The fact that you know that about those players. They know that about themselves and you know that about them. So it comes about down to having that shooting culture. The fact that this is what we do, this is what we talk about, and all of the drills, games, whatever you want to say that you do. Uh, and ch- when I say charting, it's not that we actually write everything down. It's, hey, everybody come in. We just did Ray Allen. How many got one or more ladders in a row? Raise your hand. It's 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 role identification. You know, when we start to see those hands up and drop, when we hear those numbers again and again, Guys know that what we would call level seven shot because we, you know, we kind of map out the court for the guys, which is that NBA three. When dudes can hit those in a row and then they do it at games, that's why we're not surprised. I'm not acting like what what in the world are we? We're just celebrating because the goal isn't to get a bucket every possession. That's obvious. Like winning a state championship is the goal of every season. Well, no crap, but. That's not realistic for everybody, just like making every shot isn't realistic. But what is possible is getting a seven, eight or a nine. And then that's with our training and with the mentality that mentality that you have and knowing the players. That's how I feel like you can 
have them understand and you understand that those threes are different. Sevens aren't the same for everybody. But if they it is a seven for that guy, he can go 0 for 9 and he better shoot that next seven. Sure. Sure. That's that's uh man, I could I could spend like all day just talking talking about shooting the basketball and the different types of shooters that we've had. You know, we had one guy this year that um um was close to leading the country in three-point field goals per game. And for his first three years at Grinnell, it didn't matter what type of three, anywhere over half court, any three-point shot that he took, he was going one for three. Hmm. He was in, you could have two guys draped all over him, or he could be sitting there all day long, just with, with all kinds of time. And it was fascinating for me to try to learn about him, uh, learn about him as a shooter, uh, you know, I think also kind of learn about his mentality. Like that always helps with a shooter. Like thinking, trying to trying to just figure out what they are seeing or thinking or feeling. Um, but it was uh, it, it was odd, you know, because you have some guys that like their their percentage will just go exponentially up the more open that they are. Uh, and you have another guy like him that that now this year he he was a little bit different. This year he was making everything. He was shooting <laughs> over forty. Why do you think? So. Why do you think he? Because you would think obviously the. The, as the increase in difficulty of that shot goes up, two guys on you off balance. Anytime you put the ball on the floor, it does affect percentage of some a little bit. Like, what was the reason he was one for three in in very different situations? It's a fantastic question. It's a it's it's like the, it's like the same thing that I struggle with where. And I know I'm I'm just I'm just completely bypassing your question and giving another example of something that I don't I, I have not been able to put my finger on. It's like if I have a player that, you know, I have a player that if I if if I gave him 10 shots, he's gonna make like four of them. You know, but if I only gave him two shots, he's gonna go over two way more, uh, you know, and it's not he's not gonna shoot 40% over the course of the season. You know, and then and then there might be another guy that he can sit for 10 or 15 minutes straight. And if I put him in the game, there's a 50 percent chance that he's going to make that first that first wide open look, you know, and and like uh, something about um, how how the warm up process. I, I mean, I don't know if I could if I could figure that out and know which guys are which, then it would obviously help make me a better coach. No, I, I get that. It is. That's the fun part, though is the fact that you can have a system and you can study and you can think you've got it figured out, but there are just going to be players that defy all of the stats and analytics and that, that don't make sense. Well, one thing that's kind of, I I've been getting into more and more over the years and is the mental side to shooting. I just think, cause at, you know, at the high school level, there's an idea that as a freshman, sophomore, junior, you still have time to change up their shot a little bit to change some mechanics and they're not too far gone. I would, I would, I mean, Sean Marion makes it all the way through his career doing this because he's okay. He was okay at it. And there's other things that he did so well, but I don't know. I've seen guys with good form mm -hmm. struggle to ever be consistent. And then, mm -hmm. at, so at some point, if their preparation's good, it looks good. There's nothing that is with their offhand that's interfering with anything. And, and they're putting in the time, right? They have the right to be confident. It has to be what's going on between their ears. So I don't know what the percentage is either. I'm leading towards it's 10% your form in what you do. It's 90%. Do you actually believe that the ball's going to go through? What are your thoughts on that?
I think that the uh, there's I, I agree. I, I agree. There, there's there's no doubt in my mind that uh, confidence when shooting the basketball is the most important thing. And um, it's it's it, it's it's the reason why we end up making, I think, what would be so many, quote, bad shots uh, is because guys are thinking that they just have to shoot it. It's a 12 second shot clock. We got to shoot it or coach Dave is not going to be happy. And uh, you know, when they're not thinking about whether it's going in or not. And I think the more you actually get people to not think about whether it's going in and that's not saying that they don't care. Cause of course they care, but the more you right. can unlock their mind to get them to think about um, uh, something other than whether it's going in or, or not uh, the more they're actually going to make the shot anyways. Coach, that's so great. I, I just jotted down uh, like, you're right on the money. The expectation isn't for them to make the shot. Like that's, it, it is, but that's not what they're thinking about. The expectation is that they shoot it. The expectation is that they get the rep up, that they take that. They're going to get in trouble if they don't shoot that shot. And you and I aren't resulting. We're not, uh, it's, it's NATO, right? We're not attached to the outcome. That's how you get dudes shooting audaciously like a, a parent comes up to me after the game and says how do you your guys all shoot with so much confidence it's how we train and it's how we think and then it, with you and I on the sidelines it's how we respond to the great decision that they took about shooting the shot it has nothing to do with them making it obviously we cheer when they make it like we're trying to win but you get more makes if you i love i just wrote that down the expectation is that you shoot it yeah well and i I think as it related to your 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 scale too like you're hunting the sevens eights and nines and there might be nights where you're getting all seven eights and nines and and uh your three-point percentage is incredibly low and chances are you're not going to win that game and i think as a coach like how do you respond how do you move out of that um you know you know and and I guess there are two ways. There's one to say that, like, are the shots actually sevens? Maybe we need to evaluate that over the course of time. Uh, but the other way to respond is if they are really sevens, eights, and nines, then then we're pushing forward, you know, and and, and we have to believe that the law of averages are going to play out in our favor. Coach, I love it. Like, this is the this is the stuff I was hoping to get into with you. It, because sometimes I feel like I'm a really bad coach. And the reason I say that is, and maybe I am, but I feel like it because after a game, we went six for 44 from three. And these are 32-minute games without a shot clock. So shooting 44, that's a pretty good clip. Like, that's not slow. I wish we I wish we could get up 70 to 80 to 90. I think you guys shot, like, all threes in one game. This like there, That's a dream. Like, you know, put up a faith number. And, and so, but we go six for 44. And I'm just sitting there. We lose by three. We Mm -hmm. out-rebounded them. We -hmm. had less turnovers. We shot 30 more shots, Coach, than they did. Yeah. Like, we should not lose by three. We shot six for 44. And out of the 44, I think 40 of them were what I would call a seven. And not just in that moment. Oh, yeah, those are based on months and months of watching them shoot playing games, seeing actual outcomes. And so my thought is, in that scenario, is it okay for me to just say, we need to make more shots and we're good? 
I did that a little bit this year. Uh, you know, I, I, but does it just seem like that's such a cop out answer? Like there has to be more to it than that. I know. I, I wonder like, like how's, how's the, how's the team respond when you just say, hey, we just need to make more shots. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, and, and, um, I mean, they, they I think they probably, they probably agree. Of course they agree. And they already know that really. Um, you know, and I, and I just wonder like, like, what does that do going into, into the next game? Can, can I, when I say that to my team, and I said that same thing to my team a couple times this year where we had just horrific shooting halves or maybe maybe games, I'm like, hey, guys, we're getting good looks. We just need to make more. Like, what does that do to them psychologically? Is that mm. is that in any way, shape, or form actually helping them make more shots in the second half? Um I I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm I, they know the same thing that I do, uh, that yeah. we need to make more shots. And and so I'm just wondering, like, what is the best way to approach those scenarios? We actually had a had um uh, uh, more times this year where we had a two for 21 three-point shooting half or a, a, a four for 25 like more times this year and a half than, than we have in 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 quite some time did you so, felt like you overall you had a great shooting team felt like we had a great shooting team though i felt like we did not have a great playmaking team you mm-hmm. know and so the shots that we were creating uh while they were still a lot of three-point shots they weren't nearly as That's open a good as point on target um passing you know i i spent a ton of time working with my team on on how i want them to pass the basketball to their shooter you know and i want them to feather it to the shooting side chin with the seams if possible the same way that you would take that ball behind you and line it up for a free throw more than likely with the seams uh lined up and and if we can do that heck even on a fast break or on the fly you have a skilled enough guard that has feel of the ball to be able to do that it's just going to help incrementally increase the percentage you know and so i think that part of our i thought we had a really good individual shooters on our team but we had a, a pretty low percentage by our standards and and trying to figure that part of it out has been kind of the off-season task i don't know it just feels like uh we went through very similar seasons i understand my level of play is really small and or very like it's a very different level but I, I thought this was they ended up being the best shooting team we've ever had we made 433 uh, but which over the course of a high school season, uh, I mean, there's not a lot of teams that do that. And so How many games? Uh, uh, 37, I think, Yeah, you know, so like pretty good per, per yeah. 433. We shot a ton. I th- we definitely led the country in attempts, which that's a goal. Like if we're, in my opinion, if we're taking enough that we consider sevens, taking enough, then our offense is working. Like it's literally doing exactly what, we wanted to do and then it just comes back around to our training and our mentality but i thought we would actually break 500 which in in nfhs national federation of high schools i don't think there's been a high school team to ever do that and so like i really thought so it did come down to i think it's your point we have really good individual shooters but not enough dudes in transition with double gaps that can really get deep enough into the world or that that key area to pull people in. And then were we delivering passes on target and on time? I thought at time we 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 missed on some opportunities and but maybe it just comes down to that. Yeah. Yeah. Our Grinnell system teams have always been at their best. Um and we've had that like the best team finishes when we've had, you know, in in really two different playing groups. We've had one group that's led by somebody who can just flat out score and 
has to be double teamed and you got to bring help. And he's still going to Jack be able to Taylor, double teams. Jack Taylor, John Gropberg scored like 30 points a game, all four years. Um, Jack Taylor was unguardable, you know, unguardable in a one-on-one situation. He could, he could, it doesn't mean he was going to score every time. It just meant he was going to create a seven, eight or nine shot. And that's a difference. That's a difference. Sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, man. If you, if you ever get mad at me for cutting you off, just, I, just tell me, I just get so excited when you say things that are like so good. And cause that's a difference. It, it's not that your, your elite scores necessarily have to score every time, but they just have to do something so dynamic, create enough space and, and really look good doing it to where it demands the attention of more like they can engage more eyeballs towards them than some of those other dudes that just honestly, like they, they don't look good with the ball in their hand. They don't look good doing it. I don't know. I think that has something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the opposite group, you know, the group counter to, to somebody like Jack Taylor, uh, we, we would have somebody that could score, but would prefer to pass, you know? And, and, and I think the key in that is that they, that they, that they can score, right? Because if everything is spread out, and teams are face guarding shooters. They still need to be able to make their defender pay in a way that that you know they're definitely going to be averaging double figures for us. And 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 finding that type of balance, like those types of guards, um, I don't know. That's just that's just a, what what has made us the most successful. How much did you work on one on one scoring from your guards or playmakers in the paint? Because there are times where, like in our, we run a five out. A five-out dribble drive, but there is a little bit more of airing it out and and deliberate cuts to create these double and triple gaps that we want. We can get the ball to the paint, no problem. Where I, I had a coach ask me like, how how would you guard yourselves, or how would you? That's always a good thought, right? How would mm-hmm. I stop us? Um, I'd play man, and I wouldn't help, and I would force us to have to score one on one because if we're playing a do a team that's maybe a little bigger, more physical, more athletic, they just dare us to, yeah, you versus me, go at it. And I felt like we struggled with that. Do you play a lot of one-on-one or do skill work to help with those situations? Play a lot of one-on-one. I think the natural tendency, right? Like you're trying to create pace. Coaches, I'm I'm talking about pace, 12-second shot clock, getting the team up and down the floor. And of course, our guards, as soon as they go into the paint, they are rushing the finish. And it doesn't mean that they're like doing all this crazy stuff. It just means that they're taking a really quick shot and they're not giving themselves a chance to get fouled. They're not letting the play develop. They're not being a little bit more patient to say, hey, you know what? If the team is really extended, you actually have all sorts of time down there yeah. to spin and to get to the exact spot on the floor that you want to get to. And um, that's how teams defended us this year. They just stayed super extended, dared us to try to beat somebody off the dribble um, or to score in that one-on-one setting. And and we kind of, we, we struggled, you know, we really struggled. And so I think, again, it's hard, right? Because the natural tendency is just to rush the shot once yep. you get in there to think, oh, I, especially when you're talking about pace so much, but having them understand that that uh, it can be awkward at first, but that you have a lot of time down there to get to the spot on the floor that you want to play from. I tell our guys, yeah, five seconds in the paint. And they look at yep. me like I'm crazy. I'm like, listen, if if there's just a, a big goon post standing in there, yes, that's an easy three-second call. But I think when you have the ball in your hand, you can live in there for a long time. I think yep. they're very reluctant to either think about it or count. But you're, to your point, you can tell them that and you can drill it, but majority of players, we get to the world, we get to the paint, 
we want a Brunson. Used to call it Barkley, but he's getting right. older now. But Brunson does a great job of that. Spin and turn like you did. Keep that ball alive. It's a, I just call it, it's a live jump stop, a live yep. stride stop. We're keeping it alive. We're going to re- redirect. But I just see them in such a big hurry, yep. right? Uh, and and I think that's a great opportunity for them to show off cleverness. Yep. Cleverness with your fakes. Cleverness with your timing. But I think just a, a point of emphasis for me and our guards next year is giving them multiple counters and moves down there. Not just saying when you get in there, Brunson, and then try to score again. Okay. Like these are high school players. I need to give them a lockup, an up and under, a tur- a, you know, quick turn, drop and extend. I got to give them more. Yeah. Agreed completely. Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah. This, came, this popped into my head a little bit earlier. I'm circling back. So if you if you had, if I gave you the choice right now, okay, your team's playing a game and you're going to take 100 shots, all right, okay, and every single one of these 100 shots is going to be a seven on your scale. No eights, no nines, only sevens. Is that, which are, which are open jump shots, yes? Oh, yeah, yeah, within their range, yep. Open jump shots within their range. That's the that's the only thing you're taking. No variance, no sixes and fives. Are you are you taking that game plan and saying I'll take that every single time? Oh, or are you it. saying oh no, we need to get more, more, more what or or, or higher, like a hundred or or are you saying like more eights and nines or more? Yeah. Oh no, no, I sevens is like, I coach. I'm I'm so far on that side of with you that like I. I would imagine to be a parent watching us play every night, the nights where it's not going in, they've got to second guess me a little bit. Like they've sure. got to think that he doesn't know what he's doing. Like Get why the ball are, inside. Why are we doing so? Like I've heard parents, I've got a little conflict with parents and a little, like they'll say, do something different because we just missed eight in a row, but they're all sevens. Like mm-hmm. a seven is a seven is a seven. And so we're not uh, time score momentum. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. I think freedom, confidence, uh, the best shot available is going to come early on in the possession. The great defensive teams, the longer that you hold it. So to answer your question, if we shot 100 sevens, coach, I would be celebrating that so much. And does that make me a bad coach? I don't know you'd be taking no shots in the paint though. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Well, know. but now obviously, like to me, the the idea that we are put up a number three better than two, all of that, it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Like I I've 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 heard other coaches yell they only want to shoot threes. When I hear that, I look at my guys and say, We got them. Because yeah. they're, if they're going to play you so far out, they're going to close out so hard. And if our spacing is dangerous. That paint's wide open for us. So the odds of that ever happening is super low. But if it did, if they just decided we're going to sink in and you guys have at it, then we're going to break records that night. We're going to have nights like you've had. Uh, and I am we, – we play. We had a team in our district that they just weren't very good. And I think we shot 43s in the first half, but we only made like four or five. It was all, like really poor shooting. But I think it goes back to a question that you that we talked about earlier with what do you do after a game or at halftime when you're getting the shots that you want, 
and that you've talked about, planned for, trained for, but they're just not going in. I think that circles back to your culture. If you have a culture of celebration and enthusiasm, of moving forward, of not being attached to outcome, we don't result, then there's only one response to that, which is I love watching you play. Keep doing what you're doing, in my opinion. Yeah, makes sense to me. Coaches, the Jamoti Podcast is powered by Shoot360. The future of basketball has arrived in Dallas-Fort Worth. Shoot360 combines the latest sports technology with the fundamentals of basketball skill development. The result is a -a one-of-a-kind video game-like basketball program designed to improve your shooting, dribbling, and passing. Visit Shoot360DFW.com to learn more and register for your free one-hour workout evaluation. Shoot360, the future of basketball is here. Coach, I've rambled more on this talk than I think I normally do. So, uh, <laughs> no, you well, I, I I stole your job. I'm putting you on the spot. I'm asking you questions about your scale, and I'm throwing out hypotheticals of only taking open jump shots for an entire game, which was kind of actually our mentality, like going into the game this year, that we we only took three point shots. I mean, we talked about it. I unfortunately missed the game because I had the flu. Uh, it was you it, weren't there. It was so disappointing. I'd been thinking about this game plan and just wondering, like, could it even be done? Like, is somebody going to mess up? Your dad wanted to do that, too, didn't he? Like, wasn't that something he kind of always wanted to do is only take threes? I, I, he, I mean, he had he had thought about it. I've been thinking about it. I, I swear for like a decade, and it finally kind of aligned the right way in our schedule at the right time, where we were in a back to back, and we were really close to finals. And just mentally, I thought we needed a little bit of a break. And um, it was opponent that I thought could kind of provide a little bit of flexibility to be able to test something out. And and then I got the flu, and. Um, my my assistant ran the show. In fact, I was so sick I didn't even watch like the half of the first half. Oh and, my goodness! I flipped it on and and uh, I I uh, but uh, no, that was kind of like the mentality. It was like, hey, what what does happen? Is there any type of law of diminishing returns? Is this even possible? Do do, do other teams start playing us a little bit differently? Um, um, just to kind of think about that, you know. To me, and, to me, a night like that will propel you to have future success. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what that night, what happens that night. It's the same reason why our best shooters have to shoot 10 or more threes each game. Like, it doesn't matter if they actually make that many. I mean, obviously, if they could get it around that 35 to 40 percent range mm-hmm. when it's all said and done, that's great. But they have to be they have to show that they're willing to do it mm-hmm. because that will lead when teams actually in district do scout. They're going to watch a game where on any time leather touched their fingertips, that shot was up. And then all of a sudden they write down those two words, he's a must dribble. Well, they don't realize that in our system, it's can I shoot it? If not, can I move it? If not, can I rip and go? And if if our pace and our spacing's correct, then the paint is really where we want to live. So to your point, like it it just, it may not work out that night, but guys, this is going to help us in the future. Yeah, I agree. I thought we saw a lot of benefits from, um, you know, team morale and chemistry. That's what uh, I was going to ask you is how did they respond after that game? Um, because he shot, what, 113? What was the number at the end? Oh, Jesus, 111 or 112. Okay. I, I, I don't know why. I'm, I'm, I just remember seeing the number. Anytime I get to see, uh, you know, in, in mainstream basketball, because like unless you're a guy like me that actually follows – you know what, what? But to see that on ESPN, to see the Grinnell name up there again was super cool. And there's a part of it there too, like you have an identity. 
And I, I, I get to watch a lot of high school coaches compete against them where sometimes after the games, I figure, I think, I don't really know what they're about. Like, I don't know what they do. Like, what are they trying to achieve every night? You guys definitely have that. When you do something like that and then you get recognized for it, I would imagine that locker room is pretty cool or pretty special after. Oh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's great for the program, you know, and, and, and you don't want, I, I don't ever try to do any of this stuff or, or, or a record or whatever at, at, I mean, it has to come against an opponent, but it's not being done to embarrass another team. It's being done like for, for, for our guys, for the experience of the guys that I'm coaching and to help propel us in a direction as a unit, um, you know, it, it, the notoriety certainly helps from a recruiting perspective as well. And again, it creates that identity um, uh, for, for our guys and it gives them something to talk about and something to remember uh, fondly. Like these guys are, 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 are coming to Grinnell to play basketball, but also to get a world-class education, you know, and, and, and are going to go on to have uh, in most cases, life outside of basketball or lives outside of basketball, working professional lives outside of basketball. And so, um, yeah, there's it's it's uh it, there there are are will hopefully be more opportunities where we can do something unique that's never been done in the game of basketball, whether that's at an individual level. But you know what? Even Jack Taylor's 138 point game, while it goes down as an individual record, it wasn't really that. It was a team record. You know that doesn't that, happen that if you don't have everybody on board. No doubt. And uh. And it and it changed the complexion of our season season, you know, like other teams are now defending him in a different way, which is creating better shots for the unit moving forward in conference games, you know, in that game. Sorry, coach, in that game. Were they I mean, how often were they turning down twos? Like I could see from time to time, if you're playing with pace, you're going to have a couple nines out there wide open layups. I mean, you literally had dudes like. Nash dribbling underneath the rim to kick it again, even though they're giving up, uh, not taking the layup. Yeah. It happened a handful of times actually, you know, in, in where the, where the uh, other team did not collapse. I also just think it took us a little bit longer than maybe I was expecting for us to get in the rhythm. Like the first half was kind of choppy. Uh, didn't look great. Like, because I think we were, again, in a way we were thinking about it a little bit too much. You know, instead of just thinking about, hey, what do we do? We attack the rim, we drive it, we find the open shooter, we're screening on the perimeter, we're moving to open space, and then we let the thing fly. You know, and and uh, what we kind of got into was we would catch the ball and we would just be dribbling, looking at the guy that's standing out that outside the arc instead of trying to get to the rim. You know, and and uh, once we kind of got into a little bit better of a flow in the second half, I honestly think that it really helped us in a lot of ways, like moving forward for the for the rest of the year. So a lot of times people talk about, you know, the everybody has a box, right? Like that they're in, that they're coaching in, that they things that they believe. And then I had a coach, uh, Zach Weir, he's at Keller High School, uh, very like-minded, I think, w- with us. I, I hope you don't mind me saying that I I think I'm like-minded with you. I, I, I don't mean that as a, yeah, if I, anyway, um, he said, uh, some guys worry about, you know, they want to be in the box or they want to coach outside the box. He's like, I don't even have a box. I don't have a box. I'm just, this is the way I believe this, is the way I do it. I would imagine to run a style that you do and have a game like that, you've got to help your team realize, like, listen, there is no box here. 
Like we can do whatever we really want to do from night to night. I don't know. I just think there's something special in that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Uh, you know, and I've always been like a firm believer that records are made to be broken and, um, you know, and, and I'm, ex- I'm excited for the next challenge. And though it is getting tougher to find, find records that, that can be, uh, that can be taken down. Uh, but, uh, hopefully creativity will allow for us to do so. I had a parent, I had a, well, I like after the year, we always have an open door policy and be, it's a private school. So, I mean, they pay to be here. They don't pay to play basketball here, but they pay to be here. But I do want to have that open door with my parents and players. And so uh, this past year, we did shoot a, a, a lot of threes for for a, a high school team. And I had a well-meaning parent meet with me. And and the basic, I think the the message was, we'll never win state shooting threes or shooting that many threes um and you know there's times like i always try to keep a a a good face and a lot of these parent meetings i feel like they just want to be heard they don't really care about my opinion or what i think they just want me to hear them and and that's okay like i think that's that's a part of our job uh but i don't know if it's more of like we can't win a state championship shooting this many threes or can we, is it less likely for us to win a state championship because we don't, we're not as good or as talented as the teams that do win? You know what I'm saying? Like, at the, we are uh, at Grapevine Faith. It's really hard to get in here. And, but we play it in a league and against other teams where it's not as hard to, to get in. And, and so it's like, I always thought it was, it's like if Harvard was playing in the ACC, you know, like I'm up. I'm playing Duke here. Like, what am I supposed to do? And, but we can, we've been competitive. We've had great teams. I feel like our guys get better. We do shoot a lot of threes, but we haven't won state. Have you felt that way? Like, oh, I've, we, I've def- yeah, I mean, I've heard, I've heard like the criticism, like, oh, you guys aren't, 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 aren't winning the NCAA division three national championship or, or even, or even like winning games in a D three tournament. And you know, that is, that is accurate. That's an accurate statement. We, 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 we have, have not, I, I, at this current juncture, I don't think it's a realistic uh, place that we're in. And there are a variety of reasons for that ranging from, you know, for, for, for different schools, there are a variety of reasons for that, right? Like it could be the academic prestige of the school and who can get in. It could be the cost of attendance. It could be the location. Uh, You know, it could be the, uh, the the resources that they have available, I, I think that I uh, uh, a very wise coach and colleague, you know, said to me, "There's a reason why certain basketball teams win games and why certain basketball teams lose games generally." And and in most instances, it doesn't have a ton to do with the head coach, you know. And and I I think that some of that is 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 uh, is 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 accurate because, um, you know, for us it it. It wouldn't matter what style we ran. We're not winning the the, the NCAA Division three tournament uh, because of our style. Um, you know, and there there are there are other factors. It doesn't mean that I don't want to win. It doesn't mean that I don't want to win the NCAA Division three tournament. Of course, I think that that can be like. I'm not sure the goal is necessarily the right word because it might be just a little bit too unrealistic at this point, but I think there are steps that I'm trying to take to say, Hey, what are the next steps that we can take with our program? You know what? A a realistic expectation is we would like to be at the top of our conference. We would like to be playing in the NCAA tournament, you know, and I, I don't have 
grandiose expectations of, of winning NCAA tournament games right now. We haven't, we haven't proven that we can even get there, you know, but I, I, so I think that there are steps that we want to take. And I think that it's not a sign that you're not competitive, but it is a sign that like, I feel like this style and this identity gives us our best chance to do that. And I think that's where you got to get like, and I love that you said that because it's, it's taken some time, but if you want to marry the two, this style helps my guys to become the best individually and gives us a competitive advantage or way that we can win games. But it's, but then it's also a style of play that I love and that I, I love to coach. And because I feel like players feel that they feel whether you have joy in what you're teaching them or whether you don't really like it, but you're just forcing it on them. And, but to, to kind of go back to why at faith have we not won? Cause this last year's team, we did shoot pretty well. I actually thought it was a team, you know, that in my own myself that could win. But at some, at one point we had three starters out with injuries for a, a large length of time. And then when they came back, another one went like, sometimes you look back over your season and if you did hit that ceiling that you had, man, th that's like a special year, no matter if you won a championship or not. And if you didn't hit your ceiling, you got to look, was it scheme? Was it style of play? Did I have, was I putting them in bad spots or were there just factors, grades, sickness, injury that also changed the trajectory of the season? Because I think what, what rarely will parents ever think that it was little Johnny's fault it had to be something style-wise, or you had everything perfect and right. It just didn't go the way that you wanted. But I still love coaching them. I love watching them shoot it courageously every night, right? Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. You know, it's funny. I, I can't remember his name. It was a guy in South Carolina that ran the system. Uh, this was probably about 10 years ago. Um I think he had coached Chris Paul at one point in his in his coaching career. Coach Latin is that? Have you ever heard that name? Mm. Latin, I think. But anyway, I I was looking around at people that had run the system in high school. His name came up, and I called him and I said, "Well, you know, I'm talking. I'm thinking, coach, of doing some variations of the subbing and maybe two or three. And he stopped me, said, "Matt, listen, you're either running the system or you're not running the system." <laughs> like he was so sold out, but. They had averaged like <clears throat> they had averaged like a hundred points a game in high school yeah. and done all this stuff. Uh, but I had I had uh, played around with some of that like that sh the shifts and I loved putting the shifts together on an Excel sheet. Like that was really fun. Um, the subbing part, I'll full transparency, was hard. It was yeah. hard on the guys, hard to get them and their parents really on board with that. The the the. We were averaging about 94 points a game when we were doing it. At opponents were also getting up there. And I feel like sometimes if parents, when even though they don't have a lot of basketball knowledge, they got to be able to grasp it a little bit. And then when they then they see us just giving up, take give, you know, and it's that kind of chaos. I don't know. It was the first year that I felt like they're really questioning it. But the the uh my, my, I, I can hear my old man saying this. I've heard, I've heard him say this so many times where he'll have, where he's had a coach come up to him and just be like, you know what? I'm going to run the Grinnell system, do all the stuff up and down, except that we're not going to give up 
the layups. My dad would just like laugh. And even the way he says it, it'll just look at me and be like, well, then we'll see you in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you know, because it's part of, it's a byproduct of playing fast. If you're putting pressure in double teaming the basketball at times, uh, and you're going for a lot of steals at times, you're going to get dunked on, you know, and, and it's a hard thing. It's a, I understand. I don't like getting dunked on and I've grown up, you know, around Grinnell system basketball, uh, you know, around the most, uh, the, 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 the most one of the most creative coaches, my old man, and, and who's given up a lot of layups in his day, you know, and a lot of dunks. And even for me, I don't like giving it up. So I, I definitely understand people that uh, are are hesitant uh, to do so. What I'm curious to see is how the direction of the game of basketball continues to evolve, because it's evolved on the offensive end. What we're doing on offense at Grinnell used to be crazy and uh it is now i am quite sure no longer considered to be that crazy because of how the game has has, is being played i would say what we do defensively and with the substitutions is is still probably a little bit out there for people um but that can change yeah like all all it takes is a few more people doing that or somebody doing it uh uh uh, whatever Uh, steph curry raining threes from all over changes the way people think about the three-point shot yeah, what if people start you that what if the analytics start to push people to completely taking away the three to where you almost get defenses more instead of pack line, the opposite, where you're mm-hmm. out along the three-point line and the key and inside there's just all this space where they're basically saying, go ahead. Be, uh, or maybe I don't know. I I think I think the mid-range is already uh looked at that way like defensively we want to take away nines and sevens we want to force sixes and some eights like dudes they don't get nines but i don't know i think that's an interesting point will the defensive side start to mirror or Or to catch up a little bit what what if what if we decide that you know what like um instead of allowing the team that starts with the basketball from one end line to get it halfway to where their end goal is anyway, what if we decide to not actually just let them get it halfway without any resistance, you know, on a, on a more consistent basis. And, and, and what, I, I mean, again, right. Like, can you do that without uh, sacrificing certain things? Is it actually a benefit to just completely be packed in? I, I mean, again, I, I think time will, time will kind of tell the direction that things go. I think the one statement that, your dad said that will really just coaches will know if this is actually something they can do or not is when he is that running to extremes video. He said, um, I would rather <laughs> give up a layup early on in the shot clock and get scored on than play good defense for 30 seconds and get a stop. Mm-hmm. If you can, and I, I when I heard that I said that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. That's a dangerous place to get <laughs> like, as a coach when you actually start to you believe think, that. I, see, I think that that sounds that even sounds that sounds crazy to me. I cannot believe <laughs> that's crazy. And I think I think even went like one step further. Like it might have even been when there was a thirty-five second shot clock. He was like, "We'll take a, a shot clock violation would be worse than getting dunked on in ten seconds." Yeah, but but uh, he's so okay if. I mean, again, it's just all about what you believe. Um, there's a tons of people believe crazy things. I saw it, Coach. When we were doing it, we would give up a dunk or a layup 
Well, we would get it out and we'd run the other way. And whatever frustration I had about that, it was erased by how quickly we got the ball back and we were down scoring. If you can get to the point mentally where you don't mind it, it doesn't bug you, then you can really start to see speed and freedom and creativity. But it, it goes back to, again, like if you're maybe if you're at a high school where you've got so much security, you can do whatever you want. Yep. You know, it, you can make these changes or I think it's a great system where you're taking over a job that where there's been very little participation. There is a very negative culture and, and you bring this in. You can get I mean, I think people can rally around it because it'll be different. We like to your point early on in this talk was uh, there's still parts of the Grinnell system that we use and especially the mentality piece. Like, I think I've really stolen a lot, borrow a lot from you guys. But then the subbing, I let that go. And the defensive side, um, I asked a buddy of mine, he was watching us when we were doing that, watch us play, and and we're really pressing. Uh, we just called it wild. Two on the ball, two interceptors, one safety everywhere. And mm-hmm. and, and I was like, I asked him after the game, I was like, man, what do you think of our press? Like, how, Because we turned him over. He's like, you know, I just feel like you're trying to do something with the wrong horses. Like the players you have aren't really good at what you're trying to do. And like mm-hmm. you you hear that from a close friend and it really makes you think. So being able to f- creating a system that I love and enjoy coaching, but also puts my players in the best position and taking bits and pieces. I think you were right on the money with that early on. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. So with the shooting that you do mm-hmm. and, and some, we've already talked about mentality a little bit, confidence is a big thing and I, yeah. I don't i think you would probably agree with this like confidence doesn't come from anything we can actually say to them they have to they can't look in the mirror and just i or i can't just tell them you're a good shooter today if they know deep down they haven't put in the time but assuming that they have put in the time but you start to see their confidence go up and down how do you help build it back up yeah um it's it's a uh, you know obviously like the most challenging part is that it's a lot easier to hurt confidence than it is to build it back up. You know, it's like a hundred comments building somebody up can all just be dismantled with a single. Mm, that's not the shot that we want. You know, if it's done in the wrong way, or um, you know, even body language after if somebody takes a shot that you don't want, and and how you respond to that can be. Can get can I under, I understand sometimes you have to do it right, but it, it it's it's going to have a, a damaging effect, you know, in a way that 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 could or could not be uh, recoverable from. And so, um, the way that we try to build confidence is through like again setting up our guidelines with what our shot selection is going to be, and then living with the shots that we want to take. Uh, we'll build build it through repetition and in practice. When we spend time shooting three point shots in practice. In some cases, in a lot of cases, I'm trying to set those three-point shots up to be as easy as possible, you know, uh, where they're already squared up to the basket. It's an inside-out pass. The pass is on the money or the passer has to throw it again. Um, uh, You know, the passer's throwing it with the seams and they're feathering it to the shooting side chin. And uh, they have enough time in between that they're not rushed. They're standing there stationary. And all of a sudden, like that kind of gets you into uh, into a rhythm so that we can chart those, we track those, we write them on the board, and you just start feeling that you're like a little bit 
better shooter than maybe you actually are, which is absolutely perfect, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, there are days, of course, where we need to make things a little more difficult or if we're shooting off the move or we're trying to expand the shooting range. Um, but again, the passing, the way that we set things up, um, um, you know, the, the coaching staff support, the, 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 the body language, when we get the right shots that we want, or even the body language, if we get a shot that we don't like, uh, how we res- respond to that, um, is, is, is critical to, to, to the confidence because it's going to be a long season, you know, it's gonna, yeah. it's going to be such a long season, uh, that, that, you just have to plan for that. You know, as a coach, you just have to plan for that, that what you're going to say is going, is going to be uh, internalized and evaluated and thought about by the guys that you're saying it to, or the person that you're saying it to. And that with the length of the season, you're going to, you're likely going to need that person that missed that shot in this moment in game one or in practice three at the beginning of the year to, to be a valuable key contributor at some point in time. And so just trying to manage that relationship is critical. Have you always been that way as a coach where you're you're giving them way more positives than negatives? Or is that something that over time you've grown into? Because, I mean, you started out doing this at a really young age and, and really and still coming off of playing, right? And so is that something you've always had or, or have you grown into that? I think that it's something that you have to grow into and that I need, I, I'm not, uh, not even yet fully formed on it because I know there were still times this last year where I did not have the best body language on a shot, you know, or, or the thing that I said was not building confidence, you know? And, and so I think that it's something that like a daily, it's a daily reminder of what it needs to look like and in putting into practice. I remember we had this guy must've been like 10 or 11 years ago. And, um, he was not a very good three-point shooter. He was an excellent defender, offensive rebounder. Like this guy was, he could be a one-man press almost like with his length and athleticism. And, uh, but he wanted to be a three-point shooter, right? Like you always want to be what you're not actually good at. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, it's a, you, you know, you know, and, and uh, we had to twice a half run kind of an action or get him a three-point shot that I knew was not on your chart a seven. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was it was much lower than that. It did not, it was not going in more than 20% of the time. Um, but it was worth it. He needed it mentally and to stay engaged. And what he provided in all these other aspects of play. Now we couldn't give him 20 shots a game. Right. Uh, that was not going to be a recipe for success. But he didn't need that. He didn't need that. He didn't need that. It was like two and a half just to feel involved, just to feel incorporated. Are we punting these possessions? I don't know. He's going to make one out of four, maybe, I hope. Um, Still offensive we rebound, get... though. It's better okay. than a turnover. Yeah. It's better than him giving less than his best in the areas where we need him to bring it. For sure. For sure. And And the areas that he could bring it in, he was so good at those areas that uh, it was going to make up for three possessions lost by his missed three point shots. That's a which good actually, reminder. They were be missed, they're going to be missed bad enough that you noted that we'd probably get the offensive rebound on at least a couple of them. Yeah, that's a good reminder, though. Like, I'd like to think that it is all black and white, like w- with shot selection, with role identification, with anything like that. But man, there's a lot of gray to this. There's a lot of times where guys will do things that inside you're kind of cringing a little bit, but you know 
that it's going to balance out. It's going to even out. They do way more positives. I think the hardest thing maybe with that is then justifying it with the rest of the team to make sure that there's not anything negative that comes from why is he able to do that when clearly that's not what's good for us? Because, you know, players don't view the game the way that we do from a zoom and out position. They've got the telescope just like their parents do on their own game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Um, yeah, I don't I, I, I actually hadn't really uh, I, I don't think the team dynamic was 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 impacted. I mean, I also just think that like they could recognize what so, sometimes again, like even with what you say, like if you're saying, hey, that's a good shot. Uh, and in this case, it wasn't a good shot. But I was saying that it was a good shot publicly to the team, knowing the impacts that uh, this person taking shots is going to have. Then the team can start to think, oh, you know what? That is a good shot. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, well, coach likes that shot. Great. We like that shot. It's a, we're, we're going. It goes way right back to what you said early on about confidence. I, I love what a great reminder for us as coaches just to be careful the words that we say, to choose them wisely. But then to take it a step further you're right on the money with body language. I think I had a coach uh, say that he watches film after games, and sometimes he he makes sure he watches himself after turnovers or misses happen to see really in that moment what is he showing because 93% of communication is nonverbal. That means the 7% is, hey, that was good, but what am I actually showing with the other 93? Sad to say, I think I – I just show too much of maybe how I really feel when it, and it goes against the culture that we're trying. So when you say that's a great shot and you act positively, you're reinforcing to the rest of your team of what our culture is, what the expectations are. That's why you don't have anything negative, but those are two great reminders there, man. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. The body language part is it's, 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 it's hard, you know, and you can, and you can be, you can be the best at it and you're still going to have moments where it just doesn't work out. I'm not claiming at all to be the best at it. I'm just, I'm just saying that like, it's something that I, I just feel is important that I need to continue to work on. What's well, one of your bad body language habits and I'll share one of mine. Do you, if you know one. Um, Bad body language habits. Okay. So I, I generally like my chair uh, during games is down the end of the bench. And, you know, I think that I, I usually, I, I, I've been, I've been known to like, just put my hands up like this and just kind of give like this quizzical, like, what the heck are you doing out Which there? Which we don't allow our players to do that. Right. We don't right. allow our players to. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Right. I would say, I, I, you know, even uh, I'll have family members or friends or or colleagues in my department that sometimes they'll just give me, they'll just be joking with me. They'll be, they'll, they'll look and they'll be like, oh, we're giving the, we're giving the, the Dave Arsenal <laughs> hands up. Look. How about you? Uh, so I try not to sit very much throughout mm-hmm. the game, mm-hmm. but I've noticed that when a bad shot is taken or a turnover, I don't say anything. I don't make any facial expressions. But I go sit down in a very deliberate, deflating way, mm. and like I, I, it took me a little while to realize because you you ask yourself those questions or you watch film, and you realize like I'm not in front of everybody. I'm not saying that's that's a bad shot. That's a six. I'm not yanking them out. I'm not doing that. But I'm still showing exactly the way that I feel because I don't 
it lets off of a seven, um, off of a, a something positive happening, I don't go to my seat and sit down. It's very deliberate when something bad, instead of, it's almost like, okay, I'm not going to say anything out loud, so I'm still doing a good job of being a positive coach. No, I'm showing in that moment because, I mean, it's a deliberate sit down and uh, maybe even this where it's exactly opposite of what I should be doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just weak, coach, just weak. No, but I think I do think it's an important thing. I, we 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 focus so much on what our players say, what our players do, how they present themselves, what they show, and in, in, in after right after those difficult moments. But then, how often do we really evaluate ourselves and mm-hmm. and and the the contradictory uh, actions and and facial expressions and gestures that we do that go against the culture we're trying to promote, coaches. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Bology. Manage and measure your players' skill development and increase accountability year-round utilizing the Bology app. Boost inter-squad competition with drills backed by the National High School Basketball Coaches Association, including a 40-shot Bology skills assessment. Please visit Bology.com teams for information on how you can provide this resource for your team. Question for you. Let's, let's get out. Let's, let's pretend there's no box. Word. You were extreme, like you said. Like I, I really think your dad is one of the, I don't know, top five all time of as far as creating something. Like coaches have done things like that are smart and and enhance the game, no doubt. And they're great. There's a lot of great coaches, but actually taking it and adding a new arena, a new area, a new direction. I feel like you guys did that. Well, let's not it, give him too much credit here. Yeah, whatever. In what in what ways can you take basketball and even make it more extreme? To your point, a lot of people are doing kind of similar things, or it's not as special. What? Let's just dream for a little bit. What can make it even more out outside the box? Yeah. Um. You you know I uh, I have. It, it's funny because we 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 we've struggled we struggled a little bit this year with like our our point guard play um which if you ask me the single thing that's going to make the grinnell system go or be successful it's 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 i mean of course it's the buy-in but then like once you get down to the types of players it's actually not shooters it's actually point guards you mm-hmm. know like i i think that that nowadays we can we can always find guys that can make it make enough shots it's 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 the point guards um you know i would like to i don't know what the limit is if you're playing as fast as you possibly can on the number of point guards that you could play together and um, you know, I think that it's, it's becoming a little bit more common. I, you know, I even, even when I was working out in Reno, George Carl was one of the head coaches of the, of the Kings, obviously a legendary NBA coach, uh, with the Sonics most notably and, and with the Nuggets. And, um, you know, he talked a lot about liking a two point guard look at a two point mm. guard lineup. And I don't even know why we, you would have to stop there. You know, I mean, I mean, especially if you're trying to dictate pace and tempo and the other team is not playing in the quarter court 
you know, uh, rebounding is potentially problematic, though we're only really concerned about offensive rebounding in the Grinnell system. I think that uh, we have never once talked about, hey, this is what our defensive rebound percentage needs to be. We only talk about offensive rebounding percentage, and that's a lot about effort and 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 and, and being quick to the basketball, which you know size can help, I suppose. But uh, I, I don't know that that is a is is a requirement for offensive rebounding nope. with the way that we play. So. Um, you know, for me getting to a position where, um, multiple point guards, not even limiting what multiple means, uh, whether it's two, three, four, all five of the guys, oh, in the basketball and attack and, 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 and shoot it because I think more point guards again today can shoot the basketball from three. It's not the traditional set up the offense, run the offense, pass it, not really be able to shoot, but again, be able to enter into the Post with 100% completion uh, percentage, but uh, yeah, that's 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 where I'm at, Coach. I think I think your style would be perfect for five playmakers uh, <laughs> because you're 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 posi- well you're positionless to begin with. But like defensively, it, to me, it makes you positionless because when you're not actually trying to get, you love to get live ball turnovers. You love for them to kick it out of bounds, but you just you want the the pace to be fast and and and. I don't, I don't know. I think why worry about having a traditional one, two, three, four, and five, you know, forget those numbers and just get playmakers. And then yeah. within getting those playmakers, uh, obviously them understanding this, the shifts and style of play. And I, I could see your team, like what would it look like if anybody, when leather touches their fingertips, they are the playmaker of that possession. And then ever all the other guys are running to the spots that you normally want them to run. But then the next play, it could be a completely different guy that is doing it. Man, that interchangeability with what you play and how you do, that could be really fun. Yeah, it's it's something that we've never really like like um gone to. I think it creates probably a little bit more equal piece of the pie type of offense. Like in, you know, if if you've watched Grinnell basketball, we've usually have somebody who's close to leading preferred, the preferred, yeah, the preferred shooters, yeah, which 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 means that it's not an equal piece of the pie offense, you know. So I think that there would be some changes that or, or some adjustments that or some things that would need to just be resolved as it relates to that and how is everybody still feeling kind of incorporated or how are we dictating? Like certainly, you're going to have one playmaker who is better than the other playmakers on the floor, you know all of the playmakers might be able to make plays uh but but how how do you kind of navigate that situation is is something that 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 would need to be worked out but i i think that there's room to grow and potential for um p- potential to be able to, to 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 be more creative offensively the more guys that you have obviously the more guys that you have on the floor that can shoot pass and dribble uh the more creative yeah. you can be offensively but like you said, you're not going to be able to recruit all dudes that are at that same level. But it's kind of like to me, it's okay, you take your very, very best. He's probably going to draw their very, very best. And then the one that's a little bit less behind maybe draws that that level of defender. But then it's still for him. He can handle that. You know, like you're the the idea is opposite with the other side. You're not going to necessarily play against five dynamic defenders either. And so, like, I don't know. I just, I just see that being a nightmare with the pace that you play. It's kind of like the Warriors if they have Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, uh, uh, Devin, what's the guy's name uh, that played for um, Villanova? Devincenzo. Devincenzo, Draymond Green, 
and Wiggins. Like they have that type of group on the floor, you know, that's just so outside of the norm of like, okay, who, who does my big? I think you're gonna you might alter the way the lineups that the other teams have to put out against you even more like it's fun when I would imagine you feel like it's fun when they are playing just the way that you want you don't have to really worry about what they want I don't know I coach I'd come watch it that is (laughs) one of my bucket list items man is to come and watch a Grinnell game live it is I'm hoping hoping that uh this this upcoming year we're gonna have a uh uh a lot of different playmakers on the floor at the same time I think it's got the makings to look like that and skill development wise, that's fun too, because if sure. you get to train them more the same and stay, I the, I I heard a coach the other day talk about you know bigs and guards. And I thought, well, man, that's I don't we haven't done. I just ha- we don't have that. Like we normally mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of bigs here anyway at Faith, but I just try to train them all as if they're all playmakers. And even mm-hmm. if they're not all going to do the same thing or the same amount, I'm still getting making them better individually. Like what if you you mentioned this a few times. What if that dude does get the ball with five seconds left? If we don't have time to do, he's got to make a play. I better be training him for that, or else sure. I don't want a guy that's on the floor. Wait, where is the playmaker? Here he is. Like, let's all be dynamic that way. So I think it changes up your skill development a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there's been a lot of sons that take over for you know their dads or programs and things like that. I think there's always a little bit of challenge with that, but I mean, your 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 dad has a following, a system that he's known for that he built, and you played for it, you believe in it. Has that been challenging? Do you feel the pressure of like uh, having to maybe keep the style or the system going, or is it just something that you're? You mentioned the the relationship you and your dad have. Uh, uh, just a pressure or anything that you welcome. Uh, how has that been for you? Yeah. Um, you know, well, it's, it's, it's first of all, like it's a, it's an absolute blessing to have the original creator of the Grinnell system available to watch every practice in every single game. You know, because the feedback, you're getting feedback whether you want the feedback or you don't want the feedback. <laughs> but when you're getting feedback from the person that created it, you know, as a basketball enthusiast and a basketball junkie, which I am, you know, I I I appreciate that. That's a good point. Um, you know, I I uh, obviously I feel like a, a sense of uh, responsibility to want to take this incredible thing. Uh, that my dad has done where there are now expectations that we want to win, you know, again, not a division three national championship. Yes, of course we do, but not probably realistically at this juncture, but we, where you want to take it and you want to, and there are these expectations and you want to try to take it to the next level, right? Like that's, that's, that, that's a natural human feeling to want to try to take something that you're given and, and elevate it. And so um, as a, Quick, so I do feel that responsibility, of course. Uh, I, I don't know that I would say that it's pressure, um, I, because I, I don't quite think like that or feel that. I, I just feel like the responsibility. I can't tell you that, uh, you know, uh, my old man will certainly let me know if we're not playing fast enough, you know, because he really does. He honestly does believe that he would rather give up a layup and dunk, or dunk in ten seconds than get a shot clock violation, and I cannot. <laughs> quite (laughs) 
wrap my head around that yet. And I played in it, you know, but I was not a very good defender. I was much more offensive minded, but I, I don't know why I have that, that coaching tendency. And so, you know, I think his, 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 his go-to line, especially this past year, where we struggled a little bit, honestly, and we didn't score that many points, was that we just weren't playing fast enough, and we just weren't we, we we weren't getting scored on quick enough, which meant that we couldn't score quicker, which meant we were playing in the half court way too much, and the pace was just you know. So I, I there you go. I gave you the twenty minute, the twenty second recap of of his entire feelings of our season this year, which was that we were just playing too freaking slow. I, and I love that. I thank you for for you know answering that question. Up, I I agree. Like. I don't not pressure, but responsibility. And I, I love that you feel that. Like I because I do think it's so special what you guys have. And I don't just when I say you guys, I mean you play, it's the players too that help create this entire world that exists now, the system, you know, all this stuff. And and so, but I appreciate that you uh recognize that responsibility and are taking it on like that. That's so cool. I, I'm not I don't know. Did you ever get a chance to actually watch the episode that I did with your dad? Like, and it's okay if you did. It's okay. It's okay. And I, I'm not. A, I'm not disappointed that you haven't. But I think we I talked. Might have though. We talked about that a little bit of how you're doing with the system, and I'll never forget. He said he. Uh, he said he cares about winning a little bit too much right now, and then he said. But then I said like dot dot dot. But he'll get over that at some point. <laughs> I just thought that is so awesome. Like, here's this guy. Uh, he's been doing it for 30 years. He's like, yeah, my son. I'm so proud of him. But he's just trying to win a little too much. <laughs> oh, Diver, I mean, that sounds like exactly what he said to me on a couple of occasions, too. More than yeah. a couple. It just play faster. It's like Mike D'Antoni's book. Um I think, yeah, seven seconds or well, it's about Mike D'Antoni. Seven seconds or less. He he said uh, when when our when things weren't going well, we were just going to play faster on offense, and when defense wasn't going well, we were just going to play faster on offense. Like that was just always the answer to everything. And I don't know. I kind of agree with all of it. You sure. Speed round. Short questions. That even though a lot of people know you, we're really going to know you after this. Yep. Favorite ice cream flavor. Mint chocolate chip. Same, but I knew it. I knew it from that. Uh, greatest shooter of all time. Steph Curry, no doubt. Now, greatest shooter that I coached, I would say, would be uh, Brady Heslop was really good. Played at Baylor. When would you Coach go? Oh, in the G League? In the G League. Nice. This guy was insane. Yeah. You can find some D League highlights. He had a couple Well, of I watched him. I mean, I, I, as a Baylor fan, like I watched him and, and really uh, – Really appreciated his game and the way that, uh, to me, I always thought he had like an old man ball style of game to him with his shot and the way. Anyway, I, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. What what's what like some special performances that he had for you with that system and his way of shooting? Yeah, he had a, he had one. He had a game in 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 uh, Boise, Idaho, where he hit twelve or fourteen threes. I think it was. I think it was twelve. Threes. I bet he loved it. Oh, he just had like this effortless shooting stroke from yep. so deep that was, that was, uh, it, it was also just fun to watch him shoot in practice because every single shot, it was so effortless. Like you yeah. get those guys and you're like, how are you able to heave this basketball from so far away, uh, with such accuracy? And it doesn't even look like you're just kind of going like this, you know? And so, uh, yeah, sorry. I, I slowed down. No. The speed down. When you ever watch a guy like that though, like, do you just feel joy? Like, I think as like, it's what a great compliment for shooters that, 
I just have joy watching you do that thing. Is yeah. it, did you feel that way? I absolutely. I would just, I would just chill on the after practice when he's getting up a ton of shots, I'd either rebound for him or I'd pass to him or I'd uh, be just watching on the side. Like, well, the, uh, the, the, the other guys were rebounded for him, but it was incredible. Yep. Um, texting or talking. Oh my gosh. Probably talking. Greatest basketball movie of all time. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I have one favorite. You can pass. You can always pass. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm passing on that. Uh, for high school shot clock or no shot clock coming from Texas where we don't have one. You guys don't have one? Oh, no. Coach, it's brutal. Even, you, 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 it's brutal. <laughs> I think you already know what my answer is going to be. I do. For sure, I shot do. clock. Yeah. Coach, it's uh, when we were, that was another thing I saw when we were running the system and our version of it. Um, mm-hmm. I had teams stalling in the first half they were they were going four corners trying to pass it so that they could i guess survive the pace of the entire game and, I, and we were winning like i I, ne- I thought i've never seen this before first half stalling and uh but overall i don't think offensively we would we would feel the shot clock at all but defensively yeah. it would give us a lot more power for sure, sure. sure. um favorite holiday Favorite holiday is, uh, I think it's Thanksgiving. It also coincides during basketball season. The team is always around. We got like this Thanksgiving Day practice where we just kind of play these games. It's awesome. This is interesting uh, for you. Up three on defense with seven seconds left. Do you foul or no foul? I, I, I would foul, though we're not generally as big and as strong as the other team. So I would probably have to factor that in from an offensive rebounding perspective. Makes sense. What book would you give someone? What book would I give someone? Oh man, I'd probably give them my dad's book if they're a basketball fan and say the original, like that he wrote back in 1996, because so many of those things, like so many of those things still apply right now and are maybe even more prevalent in the game than they were definitely more prevalent in the game than they were in 96. Did you enjoy the the road to 138? I like the road to 138 too. See, I, I thought it was going to be all about Jack Taylor, but yeah. it, it's it. I loved if anybody got if anybody wants to learn more about the system and just how it came about. Like I love the history behind it in that book. I mean, I I just circled and highlighted the crap out of that thing. So uh, that's a good one. Favorite place to travel. Favorite place to travel. Uh, the place where I would like to go. Well, uh, they there used to be this basketball camp that I would go to in San Diego every single year, and I liked going to San Diego because I just knew exactly what the weather was going to be, you know. And there was yeah, it was going to be it was going to be it was going to be perfect. Though I would love to go back to uh, I would love to go back to Hawaii at some point in time. I went to Hawaii on my honeymoon, and that would be a great place to go back. To. Well, uh, that that's my wife and I. That's our place. And and I've gotten yeah. we've gotten to the point now where and this is possible. If you uh, get your tickets early enough in the year, I dedicate one camp that I work every summer to go. And so our goal for my wife and I is to go there every summer. To uh, Hawaii? Yep. What island? Uh, we have been on, what's the main one? Um, is that Honolulu? Like, like we've been there most of the time yeah. and, and we're get kind of lucky. We went on a honeymoon. It was her first time to go. This is about 11 years ago. And then, uh, Wanted to go back. One of my former players at Faith, his mom works at a hotel chain that just have they happen to have one right on the beach, and we get to go really cheap. But but if you get your tickets early enough, 
And again, it's just, I just, we dedicate one camp. Well, we're going in July, uh, the end of this. We're going to go every summer for the rest of our lives. That Because that place, coach, when I leave, I feel sick. And every time, because she's a teacher too, we always drive by schools and go, hmm. they, they probably need a teacher or coach there. <laughs> mm. oh, I'm with you. Uh, how many cups of coffee do you drink per day? About uh, one to two. That's good. Going back to Hawaii, what island do you like to go to? I've only been once. We went yeah. to Kauai, which is like maybe uh, a little bit more of the um, outdoors kind of. I, I, I'm not going to not say as that. touristy. Correct, correct. And so we did like um, um, a lot of hiking stuff and just kind of outdoors stuff, which which I'm, I'm into. My wife is more into, but uh, nice. yeah, that's yeah. good. Last one in yeah. basketball, who is the goat? Basketball, who's the goat? It's it's it has to be Michael Jordan, though. Jeez, watching LeBron the other night, I can't watch. Man, twenty and twenty at age thirty-eight for longevity. Guy is in. It's absolutely. I, I don't understand. I'm thirty-six years old, and I'm just thinking about what he's doing. He's thirty-eight, right? I, I'm yep. thinking about what he's doing at age thirty-eight, and I'm thinking about my own body at thirty-six years old, and I just can't even fathom. Coach, can I be full transparency? Can, I mean, this is the circle of trust. We're in the trust tree, like in old the movie Old School. Can I share something with you? Really sad. Sure. Incline walking the other day, level six incline at a two point five speed. I pulled my calf muscle. Coach, like I'm for, I'm forty one, and I, I so LeBron at thirty eight. <laughs> Like I pulled my calf. I couldn't even tell my wife. This is full trans. Like this, we're getting real here. I couldn't even tell her. I was so embarrassed. How in as, the world? As you should have been, Coach. As you should have been. <laughs> How in the world is he doing this? I got oh. a cramp for no reason two nights ago, right in my. I, I sneezed I started... once and my back went out. I sneezed <laughs> once. <laughs> He's, so, so you know what I mean, like, I, and, and I'm, I'm actually a huge, I'm one of these rare people that's a huge MJ and a huge LeBron fan. I feel like because I do feel like LeBron is a more complete basketball player yeah. because of the passing, you know, and and now the longevity is just it's getting it's it's probably greatest career, no doubt, greatest career. But yeah. then there's just that mentality, that mentality that Jordan had. That I'm not saying LeBron doesn't have it, but because of his passing, he does defer. Especially when he's younger, and he had good players with him, but like in that moment, he now makes Jordan the right basketball play. I mean, it's yeah. hard to, right? and Jordan did too. To Golly, Kerr and Paxson hitting those threes, but there was just this, uh, I don't know, mental like ferociousness or competitive nature that it just a little bit different with Jordan. I feel like, yeah. Coach, you just gave me almost two hours of your time. Uh, I, I had a blast. And it was such an honor to to get to talk hoops with you and I believe in what you're doing. And and just you have a huge fan from afar. I hope you know that, man. Coach, pleasure is all mine. Uh, hope you can get up to Grinnell sometime for a game. Obviously, our seasons overlap, but but uh welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome anytime, of course, to practices or to whatever, whatever you need. And and uh, hopefully we're going to try out some uh, multi-point guard uh, looks this year to keep keep people on their toes. I love it. And if if people do want to learn more and have some questions, what's a great way for them to get in touch with you? 
Yeah. Great way to get in touch with me is first through like the email on, 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 on our school website. Okay. And so it's right there on, on, on our Grinnell athletic website. Uh, happy to, to set up a call to talk to people at any time to get you my cell phone number. Happy to, happy to do any of that. Thanks coach, man. Really appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti Podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.